All right, guys, welcome back to the show. If you are a listener, if this is your first time here, welcome. Thanks for listening, and uh, this is your host. My name is Hunter. Uh, This week I have a really cool episode with some friends. There's actually three guests on this week's episode. Um, So you may have heard me mention it before, but in about two weeks I'm headed down to Mexico to hunt for coos deer um, with a couple friends, Brian Call and Ryan Lampers and Brad Hunt. Um, And we're going down there with Jay Scott Outdoors. I don't know if you've seen the episodes of Meat Eater where they go to Mexico. Um, that is one of Jay Scott's properties. He manages a bunch of properties um, down south of the border where you can hunt for uh, trophy coos deer, and it's a DIY hunt, which is really cool. And it's you know it's super accessible. You don't have to be in the industry or whatever to do it. Like you can just call up Jay and schedule your own hunt. It's very approachable. Um, it's a really cool opportunity to hunt, uh, this underrated deer species, uh, south of the border, um, with a rifle during the rut. And it's a, it's a really cool hunt. I've hunted coos deer once before in Arizona, um, during the archery season during the rut. And it's, tons of action a really cool time to be down there in the desert hunting but um it's really really tough to kill a coos deer with a bow um hats off to you if you have done that and brian and ryan both have killed uh and brad coos deer with their bows i have not but um just a little little less pressure on this hunt it's a rifle hunt like i said um maybe just a little more fun maybe be a little more selective and look for a big one but anyway um, on this episode, I actually have Brian and Ryan and Jay Scott all on the call, and um, me and Brian decided to kind of both release it on his channel on Gritty, and I'm going to release it as well. So um, I kind of let Brian sort of just lead the conversation. So, um, But it's cool. I thought it was worthwhile to post it here as well. Um, if it's something you've thought about doing, we get into a lot of the details of the hunt and just kind of... Um, I just kind of go over what, what to expect. So, um, it's a cool, cool conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it and, um, definitely check out Jay Scott's, um, stuff. Uh, like I said, anybody can book a hunt with him. It's not super expensive. And it's like I say in the episode, it's one of the few kind of destination hunts that you can book and you can actually do it DIY. Like you don't have to have a guide. Now, if you want a guide, you certainly can hire a guide for sure. Um, but we kind of like to do this DIY style type hunting. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go down there and we got four tags, um, me, Brad, Brian, and Ryan, all the tag um gonna hopefully fill all four do some filming get some content out and uh should be a really good time so anyway um this conversation is fun i hope you enjoy it and um i hope you guys have a great christmas i'm releasing this episode a little early um because brian usually releases on thursday so we decided to both release on the same day um on thursday before christmas and then because of that i'm not gonna release an episode uh, on normal day, which is Sunday, because that will be Christmas Day. So this will come out Thursday. Hope you guys have a great Christmas with your friends and family. Enjoy that time. Enjoy that family time. And then I'll be back to you know regu- regularly scheduled programming on January 1st. And then on January 8th, 
will be my 100th episode. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I actually got Remy Warren to join me for that one. So really excited. Had a great conversation today, actually, uh, with Remy and kind of hit some topics as I normally try to with him that um, I don't think he's really talked about much elsewhere. Um, So I think it's a great conversation. I think you guys will enjoy that as well. And I also have a really big announcement I'm going to be making on January 8th. And interestingly enough, that'll be exactly two years and one day uh, from the time I started this podcast. Um, So it'll be the 100th episode with Remy Warren. A big announcement about what's happening moving forward with the Hunter's Quest. And it's exactly two years and one day after I started this whole journey. So if you've been with me since then or since close to then, I appreciate your support big time. Um, if you're new, I, I would love it if you would stick around and see what we're all about. Dig back through the library. Got some great episodes in there. And uh, and there's going to be tons and tons of more cool stuff coming down the line, guys. So so stay, stay tuned. Um, I appreciate you guys. Now let's just jump into this episode with Jay Scott from Jay Scott Outdoors, Brian Call, and Ryan Lampers. Enjoy. I was just, uh, Jay was telling me about his season, his sheep season, and I was telling him about my season, and uh, yeah, you had a crazy season, didn't you, Brian? I haven't really talked to you much since your last hunts. No, it was crazy. Uh, I had a, it was good. It was tough, though. Like, we did our standard sort of over-the-counter um, late season mule deer. It was tough. In 10 days, we saw two deer total. Oh, my gosh. They were, they were both does. You know, we've been on these migration hunts um, in the mountains uh, a number of times. Sometimes we get, you know, on some 180-size bucks and bigger. Um, but then there are literally periods, a couple of times, where we've seen nothing. <laughs> That's tough, so, dude. <laughs> that was rough. And yeah. uh, I would say my late season was rough. The... Uh, the the moose in Alaska trip couldn't have gone any better. I mean, oh yeah, those videos are pretty pretty cool, man. That double double, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was wild. Yeah, so that's been incredible. But you know, I'm actually I'm actually looking at a few hunts this year that might be more than over the counter. It's been rough. It's been a rough <laughs> over the counter year. Yeah. Need a couple easier ones, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm like, I am. It's just one of those things where you get out, um, and we've done a lot of those sort of just over the counter hunts in various states. And the idea is you get you get remote, and you put in a little more sweat equity, and you can find some special animals, and then time. You know, Ryan and I will spend ten or fourteen days, and it, you know, to find a a, a, a older age class on some of those over-the-counter tougher hunts that's what you got to do but uh the last couple of years um especially on the mule deer front it's just been hard it's been hard to to pick to dig one up i don't think they're doing great in some areas that's probably part of it um you had a pretty good hunt with uh mark though didn't you yeah i mean we we it was rough i mean it was we did it was cold yeah (laughs) we got mark got a nice buck and then uh paley shot a big i mean that's as big as the bucks get in general over yeah. there paley's buck 
she almost shot it three years ago. Um, okay. And it was the first time I filmed the buck. And then uh, last year, she tried to get on it two or three times. We filmed it. She didn't get the buck. And then this year, she got the buck. When we found him the first time, he had to be at least four. Hmm. And when you go back and you look at the video over each year, and we have his sheds as well, he is not much bigger he's same same he's like a carbon copy year after year after year he just has a little more mass but it's negligible hmm. he did not change and it's just what he was yeah kind of discouraging because you'd hope three extra years on a, a deer that old he put on some even more yeah. stuff but he just didn't he's beautiful heavy yeah big, big is that the big-ish. one she passed on that hunt you guys filmed where she got her first one she never passed. She just couldn't just didn't get, get it. a shot. Yeah, it's the silhouetted one up on this bench. This yeah, is cool. But yeah, and then Ryan shot a buck, not too far from that spot, years ago, and it's almost a twin. Almost Interesting. Twins. Yeah. Yeah. So, I sent you the man, picture of the one I shot, didn't I? Yeah, that that's big a, old crusty that's a, two. That's such a cool deer, just the way it's <laughs> shaped. Yeah, I know. Well, my uncle Kevin finally fulfilled that dream and shot. Oh what man, was I don't know, but it was big. It just had two, points everywhere. Two twenty-five or two thirty or something, maybe two bigger. Tw- my two twenty-six, two twenty-eight, something like yeah. that. Yeah, beautiful says. buck. Beautiful buck. So I'm just like, man, why can't that happen to me, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm asking the same question. Why can't it happen to me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I yes. hear you. I was happy to see him get that because he's been, you know, taking a lot of people and been on the, you know, guiding side of it. And it was nice to see him personally get one that was, you know, exceptional. I mean, that's one of the, if not the, it's one of the bigger deer shot in Arizona this year. So, I mean, it's pretty neat to see number one, that bucks, you know, it's always nice for us hunters to see bucks like that. Oh, they do exist. Yes. And then two, to see a guy like that, who's, you know, done so much for a lot of other people, have it all happen for him because you know how it is. You can be a great hunter. You can be in the best place. And a lot of times that just doesn't happen. So it's nice to see someone that's a good dude just happen to have everything line up perfectly. Yeah. Was that this yeah, year? I mean, yeah, yeah. It was this year. This nice. year on the Kayabab, it was a non-typical kind of freaky looking buck. Just a lot of mass, just beautiful, beautiful buck. That's awesome. In- and the amount of time that, I mean, he's getting old, Jay. He's he's getting up there in age, and and uh, he's <laughs> my dad's younger brother. And I I look at that and I'm like, I'm glad it happened. Um, his I think his second biggest buck he shot when he was 17. So there's this one and now this one. Uh, each yeah. end of his, <laughs> I'm not saying it's the end of his <laughs> life, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of years in between that he spent sure. trying to get another deer that broke 200 inches um he got one when he was young and 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 then it's just been a quest to top it and finally it really did happen and and uh it's it just goes to show how rare they are i think we get spoiled looking at what we see out there right now there's a lot of big critters we see people take but that's just not it's not we just get a condensed version of it yeah yeah because it's yeah, on I mean, social. People don't judge the amount of struggle that so many people have. They only see the highlights of, yeah. you know, the successes of that people have. And so you get this jaded idea that every time you go out, 
you know, there should be a 200 inch buck around every corner. And we all know that been doing it long enough that it's just not like that. Um, and even in some of the best units, you can be in the best areas, the best States, and it's still not like that. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that I think social media is so awesome in so many ways. And one of the ways is it does allow us to quickly see some exceptional animals like that, but it also sometimes creates a little false sense of what's real. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. So I, you know, I go to Ryan Lamper's house and it reminds me of Russ Meyer. I've been in Russ Meyer's garage, you know, and it's just like, there's just, just mule deer racks everywhere you look and they're on the wall, they're in the house, they're in the garage and they're in his other, other rooms upstairs. And they're just, there's just racks everywhere, big elk too. And I, I just see all these deer and there's just so many and they're all big, but none of them have broke 200. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Ryan has never done any sort of private land or guided type hunt before. So they're all public land. But, um, you know, despite that, you know, he's tried and he's come close, but he hasn't got anything that broke it. And, uh, again, it just goes to show it's, it's not an easy mark to hit, you know, for sure. So I think Ryan just texted me. He said he's, he's, uh, working on getting on the call, awesome. um, but let's, uh, you guys getting fired up to go down. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Good. for sure. It's nice to have that like one that one extra hunt at the end to like look forward to, you know. Because then after that, it's like it's not that much longer till bear season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what's so crazy about us out here is um, I look at Mexico as the start of the season, okay. which is so wild because everyone else pretty much says it's the end of the season, right? Um, but for whatever reason, in my brain, it's like january is it starts all over and that's when the rut is and <laughs> yeah you know we start with coos deer and then it starts all over but it's kind of odd because you know if you're not a turkey hunter or a bear hunter really it is the end of the season because there's not much from stay february to to august yeah but for whatever reason in my brain instead of me looking at it as the end it's always for me it's the start of my season so yeah. it's just i don't know if it's just mentally where i get myself or just you know how i've thought of it over the years yeah and plus i always had the problem of like you get some kind of sweet hunting gear for christmas and you're like god i gotta wait like a year to use yeah. this <laughs> now that I, there's somewhere to use it <laughs> yeah exactly it, it does make it nice and i get a lot of people that like coming down because they have been you know december and first part of january where they're at it's usually cold and snowy and a lot of the montana guys you know the meteor guys they they just love to get down in that Sonoran sun and, yeah. and um, enjoy some of that good weather. Absolutely, sure. Jay. There's a few hunts that um, in my life that it's, it's been interesting. Over the last years, my favorite hunt of the year by a wide margin is Arizona deer hunt. Um and it's, you know, and a bunch of it's probably just because of the weather and the wide open spaces. Like you can see from horizon, you know, you can see on all edges and it's nice and warm. It just I makes think, you feel good. I think that's a big part of it is it just makes you feel good. Um, it's yeah. like, and, you know, we'll, but it's also the fact that there are big coos deer everywhere. 
They really are. They're yeah. rutting. They're chasing. You can find them. And we'll see Boone and Crockett-sized coos, and not a soul is trying to bow hunt them. Sure. We got it all to ourselves. Now, if you want to go and hunt a mule deer in the same yeah, spot, good luck. It's just yeah. a rat race. It orange just, pumpkin suits everywhere. Yeah, it's just wild. So when we go down there in January and we're just, you know, running around – in Coos country, we get it all to ourselves, and it's pretty special. Um, yeah, last year, year was the first time I ever got to do it at all because Brian invited me down with him, and I'd never experienced it before. It was it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. You guys are going to love Mexico, too. It kind of takes it, in my opinion, it kind of takes that same thing to a whole nother level. I, I got to say that um, now I have a secret, like not so secret, I guess, but I have a, a, a grand appreciation for Coos deer. Uh, that I never had before. Um, I still want to get a giant with my bow. Uh, Ryan Lampers has done it twice effortlessly, it seems. <laughs> but <laughs> speaking of Ryan, speaking of the, the devil. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. I hate your guts. <laughs> What's up, man? How you guys doing? I yeah, feel man. a little outnumbered here. Uh, the three beards against the, the, the uh, clean-shaven <laughs> one. Only one clean shaven here. So. <laughs> <laughs> good to finally but, meet you, Jay. I, I uh, only talked to you on the phone a little bit, so good to finally yeah, meet you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You got uh, quite a bit more uh, brown in, in your beard than uh, your cohort there. You yes. know what? So, so I've been accused of dyeing this <laughs> on my face, right? If you if I could come real close to the screen, you'd see all this white in here. But okay. Brian grounds it out because of how white he is. <laughs> I'm so like Santa like, Claus, I, folks. I got some salt in his beard for folks. <laughs> yeah, I could funny. I can't grow a beard, so uh I'd grow one if I could, but I, I couldn't if I wanted to. I'm almost fifty and still can't grow one. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan uh, has a lot more white in there than it looks. But when you when I'm sitting next to him and I look like Santa Claus, it's it, it looks like it's dyed. Yeah. When you're yeah. a ginger, you just the grays just blend right in. I'm starting to get a couple. It seems yeah. like uh, Brian's been hanging around with Ryan for a couple of years, and uh, I can go back pictures, and his beard was more like Ryan's colored, and now it's mm. a, a little got a little salt in there. Oh, I wonder dude. if that's hanging around with Lampers. <laughs> We've done a lot, we've done a lot of hard adventures <laughs> over the last handful of years. So, I did. Yeah. I definitely went white early. It definitely <laughs> came quick. I mean, I was getting white when I was in my twenties, so. Uh, it's part it of is my what it family. is, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hey, um, I at least I can grow a beard, you know. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm still trying. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about coos a little more because, um, you know, I'm actually – it's one of my favorite animals at this point. Uh, Ryan says they don't count as whitetail because whitetail are, are completely um, – what are Freakish. they, Ryan? Look, these, these coos deer, because you know how anti-whitetail I am. Everybody knows that by now. <laughs> Just love mule deer. Um, you, you call them agrats? <laughs> yeah, agrats. Yeah, those farm agrats. So it feels like coos deer kind of identify as a mule deer because of where they live. <laughs> right? They I would do. agree. You just find them. It's weird. We get we get south, and you know, then we start seeing mule deer down in the flats and in the bottoms and uh, hanging around fields. Whereas those uh, those coos are like up in the knobs and up in the tops. We're having to go up onto the mountain to find them. So um, 
they got my respect down there for sure. Yeah. You know, for me here in Arizona, they're just such a neat animal. And, you know, to be honest, we have phenomenal coos deer hunting, uh, in Southern Arizona and central Arizona for coos. And, um, you know, 25, 30 years ago, they just kind of stole my heart as soon as I saw them. And, you know, they have that, um, wariness about them, like a big mule deer buck, you know, they've got that sense that, you know, you see a big buck and I've seen them, you know, just hunker down like that and literally just try and you know blend into the brush where they're at or or literally lay down and let people walk by and then get back up and start feeding and um so from that kind of elusive like kind of sneaky like we know those big mule deer bucks are i think the whitetails the coos specifically uh you know have that in them the other thing is you know your your whitetails back in the midwest and back east you know they get so much pressure because of the amount of uh, people intrusion that, you know, with all of, you know, tight quarters and such. Um, I think those big deer just get completely nocturnal. Um, mm. and, and a big coos buck will, t- will also, but, um, they just have a wariness about them. And, um, you know, a big mule deer buck will go running over a ridge and then usually turn at the last second and look back and then keep going. Whereas a coos deer buck, like when you blow them out, I mean, they just seem like they run forever and hardly ever turn around. Um, but yeah, they've kind of wormed their way into my heart a long time ago. And, and, um, it's nice to see you guys, uh, uh, have success with them before I'm anxious for you guys to get down to Mexico and kind of experience, you know, this will be my 27th season going down to Mexico. And it's always great to see guys like yourself that hunt all over the world. And, um, get to go and appreciate what I love and have found to love so much, um, you know, over the last half of my life. So pretty neat. Yeah. I think, you know, Arizona changed their regulations a little bit and, Mm -hmm. and, um, traditionally that tag has been easier to get like over the counter. And what we, what we've noticed is with coos deer, there's a lot of them and there, there's a lot of high quality, older age class type deer and when you open it to bow hunting i think it's one of the best challenges out there you can go on two stocks three stocks a day even as well on an over-the-counter type experience it's a pretty special hunt i think and it's in mountainous country not in not necessarily does it have to be in some kind of um, flat desert type it doesn't even look like desert necessarily with the mountains and to me i just I think hunters are missing out that kind of discount it as a, as a species they're not really interested in. And I just think there's, it's getting harder and harder to get some tags, but this is a tag that I think is um, undervalued. And we talk about this with bear hunting as well. We feel the same way about bear. And if we can shine a light on it and give hunters another time of year, maybe you can't get off, get out in the fall maybe January is perfect for your job and what you do for a living, or maybe the circumstances are different. This is such a great rewarding hunt to go on in Arizona. And now to, to shift into Mexico, there's another door that's, that's available. I talked to Ryan a little bit before this call and my, I was saying like one of the reasons Mexico has been something I haven't sprung for is because it's in Mexico. Like, (laughs) sure. There sure, is. there's a lot of ideas and, and you hear a lot of things about Mexico for sure. I can see that being, I think it's most everyone's hurdle that, you know, they, 
some finally get over and some never do get over that hurdle of it being in a different country and then all of the things that you've heard about Mexico. Um, so it's, yeah, completely understandable. It's something I hear about every day when I'm talking to hunters. And um, so I think, you know, things like this is great. You guys going down is great to just show what a great country it is, how unbelievable the, the terrain is and, you know, the people and the, you know, the food and the music and just everything about it. I mean, what you see sometimes on Netflix is not a true representation of, of what I've seen for the last 26 years in Mexico, for sure. Yeah. So I, I was telling Ryan that I kind of want you to expound on that a little bit, if you could tell us about um, what it's like and, you know, kind of allay some of those fears or trepidation that some people have regarding Mexico, because um, in all the years that you, you have done this, you've set up hunters year over year over year. What has been your experience with uh, this type of hunt? Yeah. So the, the beautiful thing about this hunt is that all of the ranches are all private property. They're all, um, you know, ranches where there's cattle on the ranches. So they're all active cattle ranches. Um, it's literally like going back in time a hundred years and granted some of my ranches have big, beautiful Hacienda style houses and, you know, every convenience that we have here in the U S and then you go to some of them and they're, you know, basically a concrete shell and maybe you have to bring your own cots and, you know, most all of them have showers of some sort, but some have the little spigot where the water just drips out and some have, you know, a regular shower. Um, but Mexico is one of these deals that you know, the terrain is just unbelievable in the Cooster country. You've got, you know, unbelievable yellow grass. You've got your mesquite, your oak, even up into your pines. Um, so from a terrain standpoint, if you appreciate the country that Cooster live in, um, you know, Mexico, in my opinion, has the best habitat, you know, even over Arizona, the habitat's incredible. Um, but for the most part, when you're talking about what I have experienced over the last 26 years is just great people, um, great times. Uh, you go to these properties, you open a big locked gate, you go inside the property, you lock the gate, you go inside. Um, you're, you know, we've been perfectly safe, never had to worry about any issues. Um, you know, there are travel, you know, safety rules that I do, you know, try and abide by and have. And I think that's why we've had such good success of not having any issues. And, and the main thing is just not traveling at night, um, travel during the day. It's no different than say, if I was going to Atlanta or Chicago or downtown Dallas, or even Phoenix for that matter. I mean, there are certainly places that you go and if you go at night, you probably will be fine. Um, but you can probably get in areas that if you go at night and you get into areas that maybe you shouldn't be. And um, so I try and tell all the people that, that go down on these do-it-yourself hunts and then all of our guided hunts, you know, we travel during the day. Um, we typically get a good start in the morning. Um, there, most of the crossings there at Douglas, Arizona, Agua Prieta, Mexico, and we start early in the morning. We go through the police, we go through the military, we get our guns checked, and then we're just traveling on the highway. Um, if we can, and we're, we've got a group, we travel together. If one person stops, you, you know, you got to stop along the side of the road and, you know, get a drink or, or go to the restroom or something. We all stop and we just kind of go together and 
you just don't run into issues there. It, you know, for me to say there's not uh, bad guys in Mexico, that would be that would be a lie because there is. We all know there is. Um, but the reality is they don't want anything to do with us. Um, they are doing whatever they're doing and, and they really don't want any, um, you know, interference in what they're doing. So they just mind their business. We mind ours. And um, fortunately, we've had, uh, you know, great hunting, you know, both for Gould's turkey and for coos for many, many years. Yeah, I, I was um, <clears throat> I was a missionary in Japan, LDS missionary in Japan when I was 19, 20, 21. And uh, so I lived there for a couple of years and it was interesting. I would run into Japanese folks that are like, oh, I want to go to America, but it's so dangerous. <laughs> Everybody has gun, you know, everybody has gun. It's dangerous. Um, they, then they see on the news, you know, only the, the bad Chi stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They see the streets of Chicago and they see downtown LA and they see all these kind of you know, and whenever a Japanese person is killed, it's, it's on their news, not ours, really. And so they had this idea. And I was like, you know, you know, I was I grew up in Oregon City, Oregon. And I and I would say, well, yeah, if I went to downtown, you know, the streets of Chicago, that's a lot different. You can't just say the whole United States is yeah. Chicago. It's yeah, not, right. you know, I'm like, if you go to Oregon City, almost i mean you're as safe as it gets yeah. right <laughs> leave your you doors go to, open yeah you go to like uh i'm in logan utah you go to bozeman it's like it's a different experience than new york um sure. and uh and i and i've often thought as i've traveled the world and gone to different places to think of it in that way you know mexico is not mexico is a big place my wife and i went to to uh cancun years ago and it was like totally fine and then there were parts of of mexico we we kind of drove by in our travel bus and i'm like yeah that's a part you don't want to go to <laughs> right there you can just look at it and you know and uh and so i think there's a lot of wisdom in uh, looking at it that way and and you've kind of taken the guesswork out of it for us like well, literally I try i mean it's been a pleasure talking to you and and figuring this stuff out um and so I'm, I have a lot less trepidation about the trip than I would if we had kind of organized it without you. I don't know if I trust myself to do it just on my own. <laughs> I know I don't. And yeah, I will, I will uh, affirm what Brian said. Like you are very thorough, Jay, in everything that you sent us yeah, for sure. um, coordinating this trip throughout from the, you know, the crossover to, you know, the, the rifle stuff. You could maybe speak to that a little bit for folks that are interested the process there um, that has to be done so far in advance, but you had every step, you know, they're waiting for us and made it very easy for us to just kind of sounds like walk right through with the help yeah. of uh, you guys. I, I've tried to make it where I really want everyone that goes to get the same experience that I've had for the last 26 years. So I try and look at each group that goes, I try and look at how would I want it if I was going and not knowing the process, you know, and I think that helps when I have my people at the border that are going to help walk through, you know, from getting your truck permits to getting your vehicles inspected to getting, you know, the police to come and check your rifles and then, you know, get all of that border stuff, um, you know, through and then drive over a mile and a half over to the military, get your rifles checked at the military, but where you've got uh, someone that, 
you know, does all my crossings and has for years. She knows the whole process where she can take you guys and basically help you along in the process and then get you to the military and walk you in, help you there. I think that uh, eliminates a lot of stress that people have of, you know, taking guns into a foreign country. And then from there, being able to have my escort that, that takes you from that point, from the military, driving with you on the highway, driving you to the ranch, getting you settled in at the house, you know, helping you get, you know, acclimated because the reality is guys like you, I just need to get you to the property and get you to the house, um, you know, safely, successfully, and then turn you guys loose and let you guys go enjoy, you know, the hunting and the, and the terrain and, you know, the sunsets, everything that goes with being in Mexico. So I'm glad you guys have felt like I'm thorough because I'm kind of a, that's just kind of my personality. I really like to cover everything extensively. My wife will shake her head and say, you know, I beat a dead horse about eight times. <laughs> um, but it's it's just the nature of how I like to do it. And so had some success. You know, the meat eater guys have been going for years. I think this is their eighth season or something. And um, it's just important for me for everyone to get that great Mexico experience because, you know, everything about it is fantastic. Um, there's some years when we shoot bigger bucks than others. And, you know, there's other years where, uh, it, but it's the experience is still awesome. I think one of the beautiful things about being able to hunt Mexico specifically in January is we're getting to hunt with a rifle and getting to hunt coos deer and mule deer for that matter during the rut. And we all know here in the U S some of these hunts, you know, hunting turkey when they're gobbling, hunting elk when they're bugling, you know, being able to hunt these animals when they're chasing and, and rutting um, is really what makes Mexico special. So you're able to hunt with a rifle during the rut. And and the, the interesting fact about that is if, let's say you went down in October when they weren't rutting, you would probably have a totally different experience of going days and maybe seeing two or three does, maybe not seeing a buck. Um, So being able to hunt them during the rut is awesome because these bucks are out chasing does and they're pursuing does. And so they, they kind of let their guard down like most animals do. You know, Ryan loves hunting big mule deer when you can hunt them in the rut. um, They, they, give the hunter just a little bit more than say, you know, the other 11 months out of the year where they're very difficult to see, they're difficult to find. Um, and you know, with that, with that being said though, uh, because they're running around and chasing does, sometimes getting these bucks killed is tough because, um, they will run does and chase does up and over a mountain back across back over all day they're just chasing and running and there's been so many times when we found a really good buck and you know just trying to get the animal one to stop where you could actually shoot at it but even stop and stop running you know five six hundred yards up and over the hill back around circling you know i have a, a story my cousin here in arizona um 
had a buck dar was with him and i was kind of up above and he this buck was chasing this doe and chased her around this point and boom 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 my cousin's known for shooting a lot and not shooting well <laughs> and the buck goes around the point comes back about five minutes later boom boom and the buck keeps chasing the doe never even looks up <laughs> i finally called down on the radio and i said what in the world is going on down there and he says your cousin won't let him stop i need this buck to stop you know dar's telling me he goes every time he comes by chase he goes and I can tell they're down there arguing with each other. And I can hear my cousin go, well, he won't give me a chance. He just keeps running. So finally on about the third go around, around this hill, this is an hour later, the buck chases the doe around again. And he finally stands still enough for Jimmy to shoot him. But that's a scenario that you guys probably will run into uh, here on your hunt. Cause you're going to be hunting, you know, the prime dates, what I would call the prime dates. The moon's going to be, um, you know, fairly dark and you're going to get some of that rutting activity. I sure hope you do. Um, but one of the challenges is you guys got to keep your eyes on those bucks um, at all times. Let someone always be watching them because they are so slippery. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And one thing kind of you mentioned before earlier too, which is once you start kind of looking into these like destination type hunts, it's really hard to find stuff where you can go DIY and you know, there's nothing wrong if you want to hire a guide. I'm sure people can do that through you too, but um, there's not a whole lot out there for this kind of thing where someone says, okay, here, you know, go for it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for me, coos are an awesome experience because it's a real um, glassing oriented animal where you get to get up on high points and really glass. And if you guys enjoy glassing, you're going to really like this hunt. Um, but then not only we've all gone on great glassing hunts, but then you add in the fact that they're rutting, they're moving around, you know, you've got a group of does and a small buck and he's kind of chasing them and you're just kind of looking around, not paying attention. The next thing you know, boom, the buck of your dreams is standing there. He comes in, chases the doe for a second and walks and turns off. And I've seen him just turn and go off and you're like, he's going to come back and you're watching him and he's just walking away. Nope. He just checked those does and he's off somewhere else. So it adds this whole element of like, all right, we're looking for a really big bucks, but we know that when we find them, we have to get them. If you want them, you got to get them right then because, you know, you might come the next day and that buck, you know, every doe's there, those two smaller bucks are there, but boom, the big, you know, Muy Grande buck is gone, nowhere to be, <laughs> nowhere to be found. So, um, but the rut brings out the big deer. Um, they're a lot more uh you see a lot more big deer i think you guys witnessed this in arizona you're talking brian where you know no one's around of course because it's during archery season and they're full rutting so those big deer that normally no one ever sees are down in where the country they've kind of left where they've been 11 months out of the year they come into the country where the does are and they're just you know chasing and rutting around um, yeah. and I, I I've, just hope you get to see that in Mexico. I've explored, uh, seasons to hunt Arizona, the rifle seasons and stuff and the options and they have the earlier and then it gets closer to the rut and all that. And I've, I've already made up my mind. Um, I think getting those giants is next to impossible if it's not during the rut. Well, and you know, some guys can pull it off, but I think, I don't even know if some of these deer will even move that's the thing they just don't move they 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 coos big coos deer bucks live in a very small circle 
11 months out of the year. And within that yeah. circle, they move within that circle very few times during the day. And if they do, they're up, they're feeding, they move, you know, 10 to 20 yards, they're back down, laying down in the shade. All of a sudden they start chasing does and you throw all of that away. I mean, I've seen big giant bucks bedded out in the open because they're tired and they're literally laying out in the wide open. They would lay, you know, 11 months out of the year. Um, and, and so, you know, being able to witness these deer running around is, is a special thing. You know, Ryan, go ahead. You fire. Oh. Away. I think you probably have some questions. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating on these, uh, these coos hunts, we've, we've kind of had like these coos slash muley hunts down in Arizona the last few years. Um, I've found that like, you know, with mule deer and elk and things like that, they like certain types of terrain. You know, you can kind of like, you can pattern them. You can kind of figure out, okay, I've, I've been seeing these, you know, these muleys in this type terrain. I can mirror this in this other drainage by looking at this similar type terrain. The fascinating thing about coos deer that I've found during the rut is it feels like they could be anywhere. I mean, right. we see them in the oak brush on the north slopes. We see them in the wide open yellow grass. We see them in the rolly country. And Okatia knobs. Yeah. Okatia, they love that stuff. And I haven't really put a finger on exactly where those giants are. It almost just feels like they could be, got a glass at all because it could be any any which spot you do absolutely and and that's one of the challenges when you're hunting them in january is so normally i would tell you that they're on um north facing east facing northeast facing slopes where your predominant afternoon shade is they're going to spend most all of their time on those slopes when you throw in the rut you could have so your does spend a lot of time on more open slopes, more south facing slopes. So a lot of times when you're hunting during the rut, you kind of have to go, where do the does mainly live? Well, the answer is does can live anywhere. They can live high, they can live low. They like all kinds of different vegetation types, which goes right to your point of yes, big cooster bucks can be found anywhere during the rut because they are off chasing does and, and they're not as predictable like I could go on an October hunt or I could go to Mexico in October and November, even early December when they're not rutting and we're going to go to the thickest. I'm going to go to a ranch and I'm going to say in the afternoon, 365 days a year, which one of these slopes are shaded the most? So predominant afternoon shade spots, where are they? That's the first places that I'm going to look for the big coos bucks that have a very tight range. And they're going to live in those shaded spots and, and, and not move. But when the rut comes, they're still going to be in the shade at times, but they could be anywhere. Now, as a general rule of thumb, I'm going to tell you guys in the <laughs> afternoons, so after the first hour or two of lope they're on in my opinion doesn't matter even if it's cold if it's hot it's especially true they're going to seek shade no matter which slope they're on they're going to find bushes trees cactus an aspect of a slope that has a little shady bowl but focus after a couple hours you know 10 11 12 o'clock start focusing on where are the shade pockets 
where are the places where the does can lay down, the bucks can lay down and seek some shade? Because these deer, you know, in Sonora, Mexico, we also hunt them in Chihuahua, but they get so much sun throughout the year. They are accustomed to finding shade anywhere. And so if, if you're afternoon glassing and you have the sun at your back and the hill is all lit up at five, you know, four, five, six o'clock. And you're like, wow, I have great visibility. Let me tell you, you are looking where about 10% of the deer are. You need to turn around, put the sun in your eyes and look where the shade, where they're on the shaded slope. And if you do that, you're going to find way more deer. And, and, you know, I preach this on my Instagram heavy and, and, and I get a lot of people, you know, saying I focused on shade, like you told me and boom, there, I found them. I found them. I found them. So, you know, if, if I could give you guys one tip, it's you in the morning glass with the sun at your back where everything's lit up and any deer that's moving is just popping, 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 but then a couple hours. And if it's real cold, it probably won't be till noon. If it's a warm, you know, and you're, it's warm, uh, then start focusing within an hour or two of first light, start really focusing on, I'm just going to pound into the shade glass into the shade and you'll find those bucks. Now in the shade pockets, those bucks will be getting those does up out of their bed and checking them. And then they'll go lay back down. And then a little buck will come in and he'll chase them off. So if you're looking into those shade pockets, you're going to catch deer moving at all times of the day in there, just because of the nature of those bucks wanting to check those does and see if they're, see if they're right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's so challenging and fun and frustrating at the same time, because I want to like nail down this certain thing. Those are some great tips, Jay. I like that. I'm going to, we're going to definitely use those, but um, I guess that's what makes it so exciting is just they could be literally anywhere on the mountain in that terrain. And um, I was very curious your answer because, you know, I'm always trying to find those older, like old trolls. Where Where's the old troll going to be? And this isn't going to be a matter of away from the people or anything like that in that environment. It's going to be something else that, that and kind of establishes where they are. So you, you nailed a, a play or a point that I wanted to make in the fact that, you know, in Arizona, you have to choose your hunting area based on where all the other people are going to be and where the prior hunts, you know, October, November, December hunts where people have killed bucks and they were there, but they're shot. Mm -hmm. When you go to Mexico, you're dealing with coos deer that are not, they, they're not hunted. You're the only group that's going to be hunting those deer other than mountain lions. And you, it'll shock me if you do, guys don't see a couple different mountain lions, because there's a lot of them in Mexico. But other than that, they're virtually unhunted. So they're not, they're not stupid, but they're going to be in places where you might be like, Hey, there's a nice, beautiful little bowl up there and it's yellow grass and there's some trees. It just looks perfect. A lot of times they're going to be in those spots that maybe your eye says that looks like a good spot where maybe in Arizona, they might not be because they were, but they got shot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so that's what's so fun about going to Mexico is I feel like you're, you're able to hunt these animals where they're not getting the outside pressure from other hunters. And so you can kind of like hunt them on their terms. And, you know, I've learned so much about how they move and how they travel and what they like to do. 
Um, but once I finally grasped the concept of really using the light in the morning to just really, so almost every time I'm going to be glassing where the sun is just coming over my back and I have a big view and I can just be really working, you know, the, the pockets and such. But then as it gets warm, I just start turning and start looking in those shade holes and shade pockets. And, and once I've done that, you know, years ago, um, it's really helped me find bigger deer. Do you rotate your ranches from year to year? How do you ensure that the pressure is so light like that? So like in, in your, um, example, all of my do it yourself ranches, you guys are the only group to hunt that ranch. So no one's in there before you during or after. And so the ranch is exclusive to your group. So in essence, it's almost like your own lease and your own property. So uh, in, in your example, the ranch you're going to next year, another group of four guys might be going to that ranch or last year, another group of four guys. But, you know, that brings up another point. Um, these ranches um, all get surveyed by a wildlife biologist and the wildlife biologist comes in the way that they um, allocate tags. Uh, for these ranches is they actually go out for two nights with a spotlight and they spotlight eyeballs. So they literally count eyeballs. No kidding. Yeah. And, and, and they count deer and then they come back and they go, well, it's, you know, 10,000 acres and I saw X amount of eyeballs. So we're going to give you 10 tags or we're going to give you it's in my opinion, it's not like super scientific. It's like just kind (laughs) of, I saw some deer, yeah. this, this landowner is a very, uh, uh, influential person. So I'm going to give you 24 tax. Yeah. And the, the, one of the hardest parts for me as an outfitter is trying to talk to my owners and explain to them that in my opinion, the wildlife biologist gives them way more permits for their ranch than should be harvested. And a good rule of thumb is you should hunt half of the amount of deer that, that the ranch is allotted in most cases. And that's, you know, you could go and shoot deer from, you know, two, three, four, five, six years old and shoot them and probably fill that amount of tags. But if you did that for two, three, four, five, six years, you would literally have no older age class bucks. So, I'm a coos deer nut, but I'm a big coos deer nut, meaning I like big deer. So I try and manage all my properties to put the mo- the least amount of hunters on the property in order for me to get the lease on the ranch. And I do lose some properties sometimes because other people will offer more harvest and more tags. And it it's frustrating to me because I want everyone to get that experience of that, you know, hundred inch buck or bigger to me, kind of hundred is like say for mule deer, like that 180 inch or better. Um, I feel like this is a, not an opportunity hunt. This is, this is a hunt that yes, gives you opportunity because you'll see lots of bucks, but it's a chance where you can go for that, you know, hundred inch plus buck. And then, you know, we all want those 120, 30, 40, 50 inch deer. 
but they're such an anomaly over the years. You know, I have over 50 ranches leased this year uh, down there. And honestly, I couldn't tell you which one is going to produce the biggest deer that it it's just those deer, those big, you know, what I call big or 120 plus, they're just so random. They're such an anomaly. You would think that, oh, this ranch hasn't been hunted for seven years. So I know I'm going to go there and I'm going to find four or five bucks over 120. It doesn't happen. Then there's a ranch that, you know, guys have hunted for seven years or 12 years. And they show me a picture of 125, 30 inch giant. That's just, you know, it's just an anomaly. There's, there's really no way to put your finger on it. And then there's a lot of deer and we're kind of bouncing all over. Sorry, but I get fired up. You know, there's some deer that'll never be more than 95 inches. They're just, they're going to 95 inch deer and they're never going to be a hundred and they're seven, seven years old. Is it a genetics thing? Is it, is it a predation thing on the older age class or some just don't get past that magic 100 mark? So the answer to that is yes on all of them. You know, I think predation is a huge thing and, and you'll see when you get down there, like I said, I'll be really shocked if you guys don't see multiple lions. These deer are constantly being chased and hunted by lions uh, and, you know, coyotes, bobcats, um, but lions specifically. And so that's why they're super wary. They're always looking, they're always watching their back trail. You'll see them feed, raise their head, look around, raise their, they're super jittery, um, and, and boogery. And when they're bedded, it's like they're on crack. Like they're just, I mean, they're just looking around. It seems like they can never relax. You know, they're just constantly think the lion's going to sneak up on them. You can just sit there and watch them. And you'll see a bird fly up that you can see because you have a wide angle and a bird flies up like 30 yards from them. It's like making a noise in the tree and their head just swings in there. You know, can you imagine? And and especially this year, the grass is going to be tall because we've had two years of unbelievable monsoon moisture. There's going to be deer when they lay down. You can't even see them. They're gone. Like they're, it's as if they didn't exist. Can you imagine laying in the grass and hearing something 10 yards away? You don't know if it's a, a horse, a cow, another deer, you know, a turkey, a javelina, or a big tom lion like sneaking in on them. So um, they're a little, they're definitely wired up. I remember two years ago, I think it was when we had that massive snowstorm down in Arizona, as probably around the 20th of, of january and we got like six inches of snow down there which is extremely uncommon i know but it was at that point when everything was white when all of a sudden i started seeing all the the predators prior to that i wasn't picking up those bobcats but that that first morning of snow i saw two bobcats stalking coos deer just oh, yeah. in that morning um so they're just always getting hunted um, yeah they're just so sketchy yeah. And that's what I love about them. Cause it just seems like they're always on edge and, you know, um, I'll give you some advice too. Like, so if you find a buck, you re- you know, you guys really want to get, leave someone's eyes on that deer. So it's watching them and then let the hunter, um, or the hunter and maybe the guy that's going to call the shot. I like to go two guys, leave one guy on the deer and go out and get in stocking position while someone else is watching the deer. Um, because as soon as you take your eyes off that deer, it seems like they go over Ridge, they go down and then you spend your whole day looking in the wrong spot. Um, and, and, and the other thing is 
when they're bedded, they usually will bed in the morning and they'll bed down. That not is not necessarily their bed for the rest of the whole day. I like to give them about 30 minutes. So when they bed the first time in the morning after feeding and they go bed down, give them a good 30 minutes. If you have a spotter watching, that's fine. You can make your way and get into position. But if it's just me and I'm hunting by myself, I've been fooled so many times watching them bed and go, okay, I'm going to make my move. And you get there and they are, you, they're gone. A lot of times they'll bed for about 15, 20 minutes, and then they'll make a move and then bed there for the day. Um, so have your spotters watching them, watch where they're bedded. And then when you guys go to get in position, go get in position. But before you leave, take a picture with your phone of what you're looking at, because when you get over to your targeted, you know, spot, you're going to shoot from everything tends to look different. So if you can say there's a big white rock and the buck is just down into the right of the white rock, I'm going to take a picture, maybe even a short video. And you say the buck is the white rocks here. The buck is just down. Here's a 10 second video. Then you get over into your sniper position, pull up your video and go, okay, there's the white rock. He should be about yeah. right here. I don't see the deer, but I know he should right. be right there. Well, I remember hunting down in Arizona and, uh, I think I was with Ryan and we see this nice coos deer buck come trotting down a trail. And then he pops up on his hind legs and he eats the flower off of the top of a barrel cactus and he eats the top of it. And then he plops back down and he kind of trots off. I think this is my second coos deer hunt Ryan's first. So we're like, oh, we just, we're, so we motor over there to get where he went into that canyon and we're over there and I'm looking around, I'm trying to find that barrel cactus. I'm yeah. looking around, I'm looking around and I'm like, it can't be that barrel cactus. Cause it's like small. Yeah. And this thing Two had to feet be on tall. its right. hind legs. But then I realized, no, it was that barrel cactus. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. that, that that buck was that little. Like yeah. I just saw a white tail buck at a distance basically. And, but then when I saw the cactus and we confirmed on our photos and stuff, that is the cactus. Yeah. I'm like, that means when he's on his hind legs and then when we killed our first coos deer, we realized, wow, they are, they are small, but I have seen a few coos deer that and just a, probably three or four in all the years so far that look like a Saskatchewan whitetail, just, <laughs> just huge. Cause most of them, even some with big racks and trash, they still have that dainty, lean whitetail look, but I have seen a few that look gigantic. Now they're miniature scale gigantic, but they do fill out, and some of them actually do look like a big northern whitetail pig. You know, um, so your average coos deer buck, like the 110 inch type, the one like we're all looking for, 110 or better they're going to weigh about 110 pounds. That's it. That's all they're going to weigh. Amazing. You know, I have seen them pushing that 120. I mean, the biggest, oldest, most mature bucks, but most of your bucks are going to weigh right around that hundred pounds. And I mean, for guys like yourself, all these big animals you're hunting, I mean, you guys are gonna be like, Oh, we'll just put them in our pocket. Like, let's just <laughs> throw and go like, this is nothing. And that's, you know, one thing that is super nice about them is when you do get one and you take care of them. I mean, one guy, um, can break one down and literally pack it out and no problem. Nothing like some of the weight you guys have been carrying on some of this other stuff. Um, yeah. but you, I will say that, you know, a coos deer buck that's a hundred inches or bigger 
in my opinion, has a whole different look than the rest of them. Like if no matter what kind of binos you have, if, if they're mounted on a tripod and you can see a predominant rack, like you, you don't have to go, is that a buck? And you can see height and width and boxy, and you can see the mass that's typically going to be a hundred inch buck. And if you're kind of squinting and even at long distances, those big bucks just pop out and a lot of the guys that hunt Midwest deer, you know, around 160, 70, 80 inch, you know, big Midwest whitetails have been with me and they're like, that buck's huge. That buck's huge. I'm going, well, he's like 108. He's 107, 180 is a really nice buck. And they're like, oh no, he looks, I'm like, they're like, he looks bigger than 170 inch Midwest whitetail. But what they're comparing it to is a 300 pound body, you know, right. or a 250 pound body where they've got the giant necks and the big shoulders. And, and so proportionately like hundred inch and better just look really big on a deer's head. In my opinion, that's what I was going to ask was I was talking to Ryan ahead of time, the hardest part for me, you know, when I've been looking at coos deer is, you know, let's say I want to shoot a hundred and five inch buck and I see a 90 inch buck or 90, like, look, I can't tell. It's like, you're talking 10 inches overall here and there, a little inch here, here. It's not that it's not a vast 120 inch buck or 110 inch. There's not a huge deer. difference between a hundred and 120 is exactly. what you're trying to say. Right. And so how, how does a guy, how do you, I mean, you've just nailed a few things just now, but how do we know that, you know, we really, really want to find that unicorn and I don't want to accidentally shoot a 90 inch buck. How do I, how do I not do that? A good rule of thumb is you've got to have long main beams and long points. And I know it sound that kind of sounds like, well, that's obvious. It's not though. You know, if you look at the eye guards and break the buck down and you're like, it has to have at least two inch eye guards. We want them three to four, five is great. Like that's getting exceptional look at the g2s and you're like i need at least seven they have to be seven we like them seven eight nine and then look at the g3s they gotta be at least seven inches look at those seven inch so you know a lot of the 80 and 90 inch bucks will have you know inch eye guards and they'll have like five or six inch long points and they'll kind of look the same you need that next level where you've got the big beams because percentage of score on whitetail is beams and point length. So look for eye guards, look for, you know, seven plus inch D2s, seven inch plus G3s. The other thing that will mess you up is narrow bucks because you picture a buck that's narrow, right? Mm -hmm. You've got your spread credit, which if he's narrow, he's getting hosed on narrow spread but his beams are going to go like this and they're going to go well they look like they touch in the front well yeah he's only eight inches wide or 10 <laughs> inches wide so go for the go for the bucks that have the the width and those beams that come around so you want like 17 inch plus main beams as a minimum to have those 105 but when you start getting into that 17 inch beam three inch eye guard seven plus inch g2 seven plus inch g3s with any kind of mass at all you're looking at a buck that you're you gonna you're gonna know 
So another just simple rule of thumb is like, if you're looking at it and you're like, well, you don't 105 and better. Most people, they go, this is a big buck. Now, to me, it gets kind of hard when you go from 105 to 115 to 120, because they all start looking big, but a general rule of thumb is long main beams. And really the only way to get long main beams is to have a fairly wide buck, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with those ears being, you know, 12, 13 inches wide, you want at least that. And then you want that wrap to come around. Then you want to have long points. Um, if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with a buck that has long points because in most cases where buck has long points, the beams are at least 16, like they will be 16 to 19. It's very rare to have a buck with super long, you know, three, seven, seven plus that doesn't have, you know, 16 and a half, 17 inch beams. When you start getting those bucks that are wide and really good beams, but then the you know, the points are short. Those are the bucks yeah. that scare me because general rule of thumb is long points to me, make everything in a, in a, in a buck that you want to shoot. If you look at it and you're like, man, the G twos are just short. Well, then he's probably going to be smaller than what you think. I I've shot uh two coos deer with my bow and I was pretty proud of those. And then that's Ryan... fantastic. Shooting any coos deer with a bow is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Ryan shot two coos deer with bows and they're like, Pope and young Booner. And, uh, so I just, on this hunt, it would be nice if I just shot the biggest buck. I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> that's where he's, where he's going with this. I think you can you, leave I the 90 inches to me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like where Jay's coming from. It's my turn. Uh, but Ryan has shot his, it's interesting. You're describing these antlers because Ryan's first buck has deeper tines. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but deeper tines, a little taller, not as wide, but but quite a bit of height and quite a bit of time length. His second buck has just mass for days, ridiculous eye guards, and uh, and super wide. But the points coming off of it are that classic kind of whitetail points where they're just there's not much there. Right. Um, I'm and not that- sure which one though. I would I think one might score better than the other, but I definitely prefer the, the, the wide, massy, thick looking freak show. And, and that's what I was going to tell you. Cause there, the difference between a hundred, 105, 110, 115, there's so many different variables. Like I feel like I'm big mule deer buck, let's say 180 and bigger. Mm-hmm. You can kind of cookie cutter and be like, well, they're going to be about this wide. They're going to be about this tall, but coos, like you said, um, Ryan's got one that's heavy and the points aren't as long but he's heavy and got great beams. And then he might have one that's, that's more narrow, but the points are long. So it's kind of like, well, which one does score? I say go for the ones that have the most mass because mass hides length. And when you have Ah. something that is heavy, they look shorter than they actually are. They're actually longer. Um, So go with that mass. And if you're not seeing that mass, the first thing that the lack of mass tells me is the deer is young. When you get that buck that looks, you know, dark antlered, a white antlered buck is going to be a younger deer. If you see dark antlers, chocolate, and I, everyone laughs at me because I nickname, oh, that's chocolate. I just name Nick, you know, like every big buck you see is chocolate. I'm like, yeah, because I like the chocolate colored, like the big coos bucks. Most every big coos buck you see has dark 
heavy antlers. Mm, interesting. And, and so look for that, you know, yeah. like there's what Jay was talking about when he's like, this is the heavy, dark, you know, wide, you know, good beamed buck. Lambs, yeah, what first, do you think? The first one I took had that chocolate look to it. It's got much darker um, antlers and it's almost, it's, it's really odd. It almost has a black tail rack to it. It's not your classic white tail at all. It actually forks. So it's just like a, a nice, heavy, dark colored basket buck that you would shoot on the coast of Oregon or something, you know, mm-hmm. whereas the other one is very classic white tail. But what I think is so cool about the, uh, you know, the antlers on those coos is they're just like, they get so wavy and there's bumps and knots and stickers and just crud all over them. Just like old trolls. You can just tell. That, the older cool. they get, especially Ryan, like when you start getting into those bucks that are like five and up, you start getting the wave of the beam, the curl, you know, the little extra bumps and maybe not scorable, but like nubs off their beam and, you know, yeah. bucks, coos bucks that are five years old and, and, and older. Those are the ones that, that keep me up at night. And I dream about, um, you know, much like guys that like mules, they're thinking of those big gnarly bucks. Um, but you know, if, if you will, if you go enough, um, eventually get an, you know, get a chance to see those 120, 130, 140 inch deer, they just look totally different. Like it's totally your eye just is like, Oh my goodness. And you know, someone will be like, well, what does it score? And you're like, get over here. It doesn't matter what it scores. Just get, they look totally different. Like every 120 inch deer that i've seen is just like i'm in love at first sight and they're like well dar will be like well um you know is it like that buck that i shot i'm like just get over here and and then he gets there and he's like oh yeah you're right the giant i'm like yeah thanks what what else can we expect to see down there jay um you know you mentioned some turkeys and you'll see I, some Goulds turkeys. Yep. Okay. You'll, you'll see some javelina. You'll see some Goulds turkeys. You'll see some Kawada mundis. Uh, um, that's what I was asking for. It's wondering yeah, if Kawadis are down there. Yep. You'll see some Kawadis. Um, you'll see Bobcat. Be very surprised if you don't see a lion. Um, you'll see some Golden Eagles. Um, you know, quite a few different hawks, Harris hawks, red tail hawks. Those Harris hawks uh, are pretty pretty fun to watch yeah yeah but uh you know and you'll see some a few coyotes here and there you'll probably hear some coyotes in the morning what are the opportunities at kawadis down there is it different i know in arizona you could take one but um so it's a great that's a great answer or a great great question so um you can get tags for mountain lions but they require a cites permit so i typically never Mm. get um mountain lion tags I believe the Kawadi falls in a, in a tagged species, if you will, but I've never, um, uh, never hunted them, but I believe you do need tags in order to harvest them and bring them back into the U S I know you need them to bring in anything you bring in the U S to have to have tags. Um, and then coyotes, believe it or not, um, they are, you can bring them back into the U S but they have to have tags, which I never get. 
Um, really the only thing that I get tags for are coos deer and javelina. And I give a lot of my hunters a hard time because they're like, we're going to get javelina tags. I'm like, no, you're not. And they're like, oh yeah, we want, I'm talking about my guided guys. And they're like, oh, we want javelina. I said, okay, but we have a specific javelina hunting times. It's from 11 o'clock in the morning to <laughs> one o'clock during the day. Right. And you are limited. If we're on a big deer, you can't hunt pigs anywhere around because <laughs> what I tell guys is like, we're here to hunt big deer guys. Absolutely. We're, we can come back and hunt javelina, but it javelina hunting anywhere is so much fun because it's such an opportunistic animal and it's, um, you know, they're, they're readily available. And you know, most guys, they go down there. It's like, Oh yeah, there's javelina. I'm like, we're looking for a giant buck. Come on. And they're like, Oh, but I want to go chase those pigs. Yeah. I don't feel any attraction to Havelina whatsoever, personally. <laughs> wait, wait, to use, have you seen them though? I, I have seen a couple when I was down last year with Brian, but I guess maybe just in comparison, like if it was like, okay, I got some time left over, but like in comparison to like a giant buck, like I just, I it's true. Care. But I will say this hunter, when I shot my first Havelina with my bow and then the aftermath, I, <laughs> I got the meat and I mess around with the teeth and the jaws yeah. and I have the head over here. Yeah, it's as skull. big as some of my bear skulls. I'm like, the skull well, this is critters things apart that those skulls are cool. Yeah. Very, very yeah, it's way cooler than I gave it credit for. I, I will say, so you guys will have to tell me how this goes. I'm I'm imagining about day five or six when you've either shot a couple bucks or maybe you haven't shot anything. And right during the middle of the day and it's, let's say, a slow morning and everyone's kind of like, oh, this, this is no good. They're not running or, you know, whatever. And then a group of javelina feeds out on a hill about 300 <laughs> yards from hunter he's going to be like Do we got any of those javelina tags there's javelina let's go and that's what you know For so sure. many people get excited when they see them because they usually come out in those times when you're just you know getting kicked in the teeth and then also yeah. you're like, i'm gonna hunt one of those yeah yeah no i i i um it's a great bow hunt and it's not that hard to draw and it's a really fun time to be in Arizona. I, I can save it for, for Arizona for sure, but they are cooler. I think they're way cooler than Ryan. You, you thought the same thing. You're like, I'm not going to chase those heavily into that. Until I didn't even bother applying to get that tag. I was all in on deer. So I, yeah. I did, but then last year or two years ago, I saw you take that one. And when, when we got it back to camp, you guys are breaking it down and just seeing what those skulls look like. I mean, they're just, they're crazy. Cool. How the yeah. teeth come out. It's just, it's just an awesome. So you made me rethink like applying for one here in the next couple of and, years. And just to be clear, um, I can get javelina tags and I do have groups every year that say, get us javelina tags. And I'm hard on javelina because I'm such a deer nut and want to kill big <laughs> deer. And it's like, we're, we are taking away from precious time that we have That's to right. kill big deer and find big deer. But um, for everyone out there listening, yeah, if you say, hey, I want to come hunt coos deer and I want javelina tags as well, I can get you as many. You can shoot as many as you want, um, meaning I can. you can say, hey, I want three javelina tags. Uh, and, you know, the owners have different owners say, hey, javelina is worth X to me. And some owners say, hey, the javelina is worth Y. Um, but there's no limit or anything on, yeah. on how many you can shoot. You know, you could shoot a couple if you wanted to. I think, I think on an extended trip, you know, um, who knows, maybe we will get lucky and we'll take some great bucks. We fill our tags and 
four or five days and a couple extra days at the end with a javelina tag might not be so bad. It's such a lighthearted animal to hunt and so much fun. You know, um, we've had fun over the years hunting them uh, in those circumstances, Ryan, where we've killed out and guys are like, let's just go hunt pigs for a morning. And uh, it, it is fun for sure. Real quick question. Um, how, how sensitive are the coups to um, gunfire? Like, you know, let's say it's, you know, a couple days in, and uh, we see a buck that looks good to me, but none of these none of these guys want to shoot it because it's too small or something. Like, if I shoot, is it going to blow the area out, or can no. you know, like, what's that like? It's they're not very sensitive to shooting unless you shoot close to them and then go up and recover a deer. You might blow a deer out of a basin, but one thing coos are so habitual in in other words they live in basically an 800 yard circle circle their whole life so um, a, a good rule of thumb and especially in mexico is if you jump a big buck now not as much during the rut but if you were hunting in december and you jump a big buck and he runs up and he's flagging and he goes over the top of the hill i would bet you that i could go back away from that area you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand, you know, yards away for the next two or three days and find that exact buck because they have those pockets they like. Um, but to answer your question, you know, like it's a big ranch where you're going, big giant ranch. You can shoot and do all that and they're they they don't even know what it is. I mean, they don't hear rifle shots. You you know, so it's not like they take off running. Um you, you know a, I'll tell us another story on my same cousin, love him to death. Um, we were down in Mexico about 15 years ago and there was a buck that he wanted to shoot and it was like 107, 108 inch deer. And we'd found it in the morning and it was me and Dar and my cousin was the last one to fill his tag. And I'm up on a point sitting, you know, just getting baked in the sun, watching this deer all day. Dar and him are down in shooting position. There's kind of a theme there that Dar's always with him as the shooter. And, and, uh, and they're getting baked in the sun. And this goes on from probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, two, three, four o'clock. And it's just, I mean, one of those warm days where it's in the seventies and that snoring sun's just beating on us. Dark comes over the radio and he says, your cousin's got an idea. I said, I'll bet he does. <laughs> he says, he wants to shoot in the tree above the deer. I said, you just tell him to just keep laying there and we're going to wait till dark and this deer's going to get up. About 15 minutes goes by. It's just hotter than blazes. It's just sun's beating down. You know, I've got my sombrero style hat on just trying to seek any shade I can. Comes on. Um, your cousin is um, very adamant that he wants to shoot into the tree above the deer to get him up. I'm like, you can tell my cousin that never works. Never, never, never works. He, about two minutes later. Um, he's saying, even though you say it never works, he wants to give it a try. And, you know, I'm like, um, I've been sitting on this knob for six hours. I'm not, no, you're not, Dar, you're in control down there. And he says, well, I'm not really in control, but I'll try and do my best about five minutes later on the radio. Um, your cousin says he's going to shoot, uh, into the tree. So that's what he's doing. I said, okay. So boom shoots, you know, you expect the deer to just stand up him jacking another round in and shoot right and shoot him right no shoots the tree and the deer literally squirts out of there like you had shot him in the rear end 
squirts out of there, runs up and over the top of the ridge. No joke, gone. And I, Gar comes back on the radio. Uh, that didn't work exactly like we had planned. I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, long story of that, we did end up having enough light. We got around, found him again, and didn't get him killed. But um, it, the general rule of thumb is no, they're, they don't typically, unless a bullet hits near them, unless, something, unless they really feel like they're getting shot at, they will i've seen bucks that you know we shoot another buck and they just lay there they they we shoot the buck we go and take care of the buck we're walking out and blow the same deer that i know are bedded there and they watched us walk up they stayed down and they mm-hmm. we just got too close to them when we walked and they finally blew they'll hold like quail and you will see some quail as well you'll see the uh, mern's quail which down there they call a montezuma quail mm-hmm Cool. I think, uh, Hunter, one thing that, that we have noticed is in the desert, your voice carries, sound carries. And we've, we've seen more often than not what, what happens is they don't, they're not afraid of a bullet, but they hear people talking, mm. you know, two mountains over. Yeah. And then they just kind of hide. They just move into some timber. Yeah. And, and to further that point, like we're always glassing out on these, you know, rock points and out on these points where we can see down and see across and see so our anything we're doing Mm -hmm. my biggest pet peeve is some of these tripods that you know they guys you know they haven't hunted since last year or something and they come and they're like you know opening the legs and screeching and i'm like i look over i'm like are you kidding me yeah if this big buck hears that he's either gonna lay there and we'll never see him where he's going to be sliding out of there because they yep. they have a sense of you're almost better just like talking and acting like a cowboy and like but if yeah, you start right. like sneaking around glassing and like cranking your tripod they they don't tolerate the sense that, that's another thing like vibe yeah we were hunter you and i we just drove right by him you know in the side by side and talk oh, yeah. like hey yeah, yeah 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 one of the biggest because bucks they're... i saw was like right next to the road and i was driving by and i was like trying to jump out and grab my bow but yeah yeah they're happening? used to the border patrol down there just cruising by and as long yeah. as you seem like border patrol they're chill but the second they notice the predatory you yeah. sneak they know the difference <laughs> they know For the sure. difference so you can get away with a little bit i imagine here though that ain't going to happen because these deer are not, uh, there's no border patrol in Mexico. <laughs> the, the, the exciting thing for me is for you guys to go down there and get to truly experience. In my opinion, it's like a classic mountain hunt. Um, beautiful mountains. I've already sent you guys, I think some photos and videos of the ranch, but you know, you've got every type of terrain there, but you've got a lot of contour, a lot of mountains. You know, one thing that's going to be a little bit different this year is you're going to have a lot more grass because those cattle can't keep up with the amount of rain. Some of my ranches, the low end got 20 inches of monsoon rain, all the way up to 33 inches of rain. Our normal is about 15 to 20. 15 to 18 on on a lot of ranches they're getting you know some of them 25 to 33 inches is the highest so so you're going to have a lot of yellow grass so with that being said is that good for antler growth it's great for antler growth but i think when you're low and looking high the angle at which those coos deer are standing are difficult to see because the grass is going to be you know like right mid shoulder so make sure get up high 
and look down and across because then it creates a bigger angle that you can see their body up and moving around. And then, like I said before, really use that sun in the morning to glass quickly, quickly, just scanning pockets. You know, don't do, you've read about the grid system and all that at first light for the first hour, you're just power scanning, just hitting, hitting, hitting you know, just moving pockets, just scanning, trying to swipe, you know, and just find stuff. Then as it gets warmer, then you break down and start looking in the shade and really start, you know, penetrating with your eyes. But um, just go, go quick that first hour and just be trying to spot deer. Now, when you spot does, if you spot does look real hard around because there's likely a buck either bedded right there with them or standing somewhere by. Um, all this talk is getting me so freaking jacked because <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, like, this is all the stuff that we do already, you know, when we're in Arizona hunting them with archery, but I feel like Ryan, the gloves are off, man. Oh baby. You got <laughs> the rifle, rifle in, in hand. hand. <laughs> like, it's paybacks. It's paybacks. Yeah. We actually <laughs> see a monster. It's not like a 4% chance of killing it. It's a lot higher. So this is going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. What are, what are the success rates that you see down south of the border there, Jay, overall for coos deer? So I would say all of my do-it-yourself hunters, what they could expect, and guided hunters for that matter, depending on the ranches, um, I would expect to see somewhere in that 3 to 15 bucks a day range. Mm-hmm. Um, some ranches, some conditions, you know, we're all going to be down there about the same time. If for whatever reason we got a hot spell and it's really hot, you know, it's going to make things tough. If it's like it is right now where it's cool and crisp, we're all probably going to have great hunts. So we're trying to position our timing when we all go down during the peak of the rut, but we all want to have, you know, some, some cold, crisp weather. That would be ideal. Um, what was your question? I've got. Fired oh, up. success rates. Overall. Oh, success. So I would say if someone comes home from this hunt without a buck, it's, because they didn't want to shoot one or because they shot so many times they couldn't hit them. (laughs) But the reality is you can, everyone should get a buck um, and should get a decent buck. I would say 90 and over. I don't see any reason why anyone wouldn't uh, get a buck. That's not, you know, at least 90 and over, but you know, a good rule of thumb is you're going to see, you know, three to 15, say three to 12 bucks a day. Um, and you're going to see on most places, you're going to see, you know, 10 to 30 does a day. Um, that's kind of a general, general rule. Nice. I'm excited. This will, uh, hunting unpressured animals. It's always the goal. That's kind of why we have to like, our every, once, to every our... once in a while we need a layup, don't we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll be my very first time ever hunting private in my life. And so it's going to wow. be a treat, but I love seeing this. So. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, one yeah. more, one more question. Um, are there any regulations on uh, suppressors coming across the board? So that is a great question, and I get it a lot. I don't actually have the Mexican code that says they're not legal, but okay. I can tell you I've seen guys come to the border with them and try and cross them, and they do not let them. So I tell my hunters do not bring suppressors because I've seen them say you can't bring that across Mm -hmm. i don't actually have the statute or anywhere to point to say no suppressors allowed 
but I've seen them with my own eyes, not let them in. The other thing is kind of military style rifles, if you will, like some of the chassis guns that kind of have the look like a military style. I have seen at military posts and police, I've seen them kind of look at it and be like, mm, this one's not coming. I've said that before on my Instagram and then I get like a hundred messages with sure. pictures of coos deer. So I'm not saying it's not, but just in my opinion, uh, just a normal bolt action rifle is the one I'm going to take to Mexico every time until they come out with something formal that says this is allowed. This isn't, if that makes sense, I'm going to bring what looks like a normal general style deer hunting rifle is because I want to be the guy that comes and I am because they all know me, but I want to be the guy that comes to the military and it's no problem. It's an easy thing. And, Oh, it's Jay's group. And yeah, everything's fine. I don't really want to be the guy that's pushing going, well, I want to bring this suppressor. And like this guy's saying no. And this guy's saying yes. Yeah. So many people are really digging and liking shooting suppressors and I get it. And I hope that maybe the, they'll come with more of a formal ruling and just say, yeah, they're allowed. Um, but until that time, I just tell my hunters don't bring them. I think that's the wise, you know, don't, don't invite any uh, degree of difficulty as it is in it. We're going to have a, we're going to shoot just fine without one. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Guys, I think, um, Jay, how do people, you know, guys that are listening that are interested in a hunt like this, I think by the time we're done with this hunt, I think a lot more people will be interested, at least our friends. I know they're going to be, they're going to be interested. How do they get a hold of Jay Scott? You know, probably the best way on social media is just at Jay Scott Outdoors. Um, you can also give me a ring or a text at 602-803-0223. Um, jscottoutdoors.com on my website and just shoot me a message tell me you're interested in the hunt and i can give you the details um, we hunt sonora and chihuahua mexico both um, a new addition this year is we actually have uh, a ranch we're going to hunt some mule deer on i've been looking for years for the right property um, and and you know there's we don't need to get into it now, but there's a lot of things going on in Mexico with the mule deer. You've got your pen raised deer, you've got your high fence deer, and it's mm. just something I've never really wanted to get into. I like hunting, you know, wild, uh, free range animals. Um, but I've, I've finally found a property and, and we're going to be doing some more mule deer hunts. Um, and I'm excited about that because there's phenomenal mule deer genetics and hunting in Sonora, Mexico specifically. Um, but yeah, we do coos deer and Gould's Turkey, uh, in Sonora and Chihuahua, and they can reach out on my Instagram at J Scott outdoors. That's probably the easiest way, quickest way for me to get them information. And, um, guys, I just wish you the best of success and just enjoy everything about it. And, and, um, you know, hopefully I'll be getting some messages from you as the hunt goes on and. One thing I'll tell you, it's like other hunts. I mean, it can get tough. It can get great for a couple of days and then slow down and then get great again. And so it's, it's, you know, there's not a 120 inch buck under every tree. You're going to have to grind it out. I really feel like if you can, you know, really spend all day out there glassing and working, you're going to find some really nice bucks and, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy yourself there. So <laughs> I have no right doubt. On. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Yeah, Much thanks. appreciated. Appreciate guys it. take care thanks for having me on this was fun i'm i'm all excited i always get juiced up when i talk about coos deer <laughs> <laughs> i can Same tell here.
Thanks, Jay. All right. All right have a great one, man. Jay. All right. Bye, God guys. bless. Take care.